Well, praise God, hallelujah, isn't it good to sing that wonderful hymn? And um, I, I say it's, it's an old hymn, but it's actually not that old, but it's a, it's a classic, and we, we, we uh, enjoy singing it. We're not going to be continuing our study in the blood again this week, because I want to sort of continue looking at what we were looking at last week, which is the blessing of Abraham. And how important that is to us as believers. We just read it in our reading, Galatians chapter 3. We will be looking there, but I want us just to continue uh, looking at chapter 51 of Isaiah. Isaiah 51, just to get the context from last week, last uh, time we looked at this. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. And that'd be us, wouldn't it? Because we are people who want righteousness. We are people who seek the Lord. We're Christians, we're believers, we're followers of Jesus, and it's so good to see from the states in the last few days this potential of overcoming Roe v. Wade and the whole abortion mess over there. And if, if that happens over there, that could have a knock-on effect in other countries, including our own. That this horrible crime of um, child murder that's taking place across the nations could indeed be curbed and stopped. Uh, so praise God for that. Um, and it's those that follow after righteousness and seek the Lord that have been praying for that, isn't it? And campaigning for it. So praise God that we could see the fruits of our labours. And he says here, if you're doing that, if you're following righteousness, seeking the Lord, look to the rock when she are hewn and to the hole of the pit when she are digged. What is he saying? He tells us in the next verse, look unto Abraham, your father. Sorry, your, your father. <laughs> I'm not reading from the Scots Bible here. I'm reading from the King James. I think he was Scottish, so there you are. He'd have probably called it Father. So look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. Uh, for I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. And we saw last message, last time around, that um, we were talking about how God called Abraham and blessed him. He made a covenant with him, a covenant of blessing, a covenant that... Abraham could not fail because he was in a covenant relationship with God. Um, and that's so vital. God increased him, blessed him, multiplied him. So let's go over to Galatians chapter 3. That was just a wee intro there. To see what we were looking at. And I read it earlier. <clears throat> and it says here in Galatians chapter 3 that uh, Abraham believed God, verse 6, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Okay, verse, let's just go very quickly to verse 1, Galatians 3. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? You know that as a Christian you can be bewitched. You can be deceived. People can put a spell on you. People can con you, deceive you. People can lure you away from the true gospel. They can lure you away from where you're meant to be. And if it were not so, he wouldn't have put it here. So it's not just these Galatians, it's us. We can be drawn away. We can be seduced. Many people have. And that's why people join cults. That's why people go to dodgy churches, follow dodgy leaders, um, and because they're bewitched. Foolish Galatians. You're a fool if you are bewitched. Okay? He doesn't say, what a shame, you're a victim here. He says, you're a fool. And so these are sobering words. Galatians, there's quite a lot in Galatians that isn't easy to hear. So... Let's not be bewitched that you should not obey the truth. Interesting that, that Paul speaks about 
being bewitched as disobedience. Amen. He says that you, you've been bewitched, that you should become disobedient, you should not obey the truth. Because he's speaking here about people who become religious rather than people who live by grace. Okay, that's what he's talking about. Um, and it's a great subject, but it's not our subject. We're looking at Abraham. But it says here in verse 6, that Abraham believed God. When God made covenant with Abraham and promised him a son, Abraham believed God. Now this book is full of promises. I'm going to ask today, are we going to believe them? Amen? Because it's, not, it's, it's great to read your Bible, but it's not just reading it, it's obeying it. It's standing on it. It's making it the foundation of your life. It's not just something that you hear on a Sunday morning. It becomes part of you and you walk it out and you uh, live it out. Verse 7 makes a remarkable statement for us. And it says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Abraham is the father of faith to them that believe. Friends, if you're here today and you're a believer, then you are Abraham's child. You're Abraham's son or daughter. You're a child of Abraham. And if you're not, oh, I don't want to be a child of Abraham, then you're not a faith. You're not a Christian. We'll see that as we read on. So folks, it's not just, oh, why do we need to talk about some old guy from the Old Testament? See, a lot of people think like that. I'm a New Testament Christian. Yeah? I don't see that old covenant stuff. I'm not into that. Well, you're not into... The things of God then. Amen. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a two testament Christian, if you like. The old and the new. But of course, the new is a better covenant. We know that. But you get these people that, you know, that. in fact, there's some people I think, they may be few in number, but there are some people, they don't even bother buying a whole Bible, they just buy a New Testament. So, thank God we're not one of them. Um, Verse 8, the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Now that word heathen is an old-fashioned word, okay? And we, we have, <laughs> it conjures up images of heathen as in people of a different nationality, sometimes a different skin colour, some you know, a different race. And that's, a lot of people took it like, oh, the heathen, the heathen over in India, the heathen over in Africa, folks. It, it doesn't actually mean that in the Greek. It, it simply means nations. Okay? So it's not talking about people of a different race or nationality as such. He's talking about the nations. So we could read it this way in some versions too. God would justify the nations through faith. Okay? So, and then he says, preach before the gospel unto Abraham. And I've shared this in various occasions. When Abraham was asked to offer up Isaac, then he, as a covenant man, understood that if, and the terms of covenant were, if a covenant partner asks something of you to give it as a covenant demand, you had to be able to and also willing to offer back the same. So when God said to Abraham, give me your son Isaac, Abraham as a covenant man understood God cannot ask me, would not ask me, and cannot by the terms of covenant ask me for a son unless he has one to give. 
So that's where it says God preached the gospel. And that's why uh, Abraham said to Isaac, God will provide himself a lamb. And, and Jesus said, didn't he? He said to those who were attacking him, you know, your father Abraham, he saw my day and was glad. Abraham understood God must have a son somewhere and this is all part of the plan. So praise God, Abraham understood what God was doing because in order for God to give his son, his covenant partner in the earth, Abraham, had to be willing to give his. And of course God would not allow Abraham to actually physically kill Isaac because Isaac was the type of which Christ was the fulfillment. Isaac's blood would have saved no one. Isaac was a very special human being because he was born when his parents were ancient. Uh, and also, Sarah had been barren all her days. Then she hit the menopause, so if she had a problem conceiving before the menopause, the menopause killed her. But not to a miracle working God. So Isaac was a miracle child. But his blood would have saved nobody. So praise God, God had a plan, and that plan is what we read of here in this chapter. Uh, it says, In thee all nations shall be blessed. God said to Abraham, Every nation's going to be blessed. Why? Because Abraham was obedient to give his son. And God, as a covenant partner of Abraham, was then obligated to give his son. And we're here today in this place, praising that son's name, praising God because he gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave. There it's there, in front of this pulpit. So praise God for all these things. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Verse 9. Folks, if you're of faith, and you are because you're a Christian, you're blessed with faithful Abraham. The blessing of Abraham is on your life. You might not feel like it, you might feel cursed. And we're going to, we're going to see that, that, how that can happen or how we deal with that because the reality is in God's eyes you are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many, and here it explains it, verse 10, as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. What he's saying is, is that if you're under the law, if you're not under grace, and Paul is writing to the Galatians who were being attacked by Jewish Christians who said to them, you have to keep the law, you have to still obey the Mosaic law or you won't be saved. You're not saved by grace alone, you're saved by keeping the law. And that's why he said to them, you're being bewitched if you believe that. And that's not obeying the truth. The truth is we're saved by grace. We could earn our salvation. Oh, well, I'm going to be a good person from now on. I'm going to help old ladies across the road. I'm going to give to Oxfam. I'm, you know, I'm, going to, I'm not going to argue with my husband. Um, I'll just say yes, dear, and do what he says. <laughs> Amen? See, I can say all these things because Agnes is through. But praise God. No, it's not about being good, doing good deeds. Okay? It's not about that. It's good to do good deeds. But it's not what saves us. What saves us is that we are not under the law. Cursed as everybody is. So if you say, I'm going to be good from now on, then you, you blow it, you've blown it forever. You're cursed forever. And every single human being 
has fallen short of the glory of God except Jesus. So there isn't anybody that's kept the law perfectly. Amen? Even if you're a goody two-shoes, you're not that good. All our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible tells us. But that no man is justified by the law, verse 11, in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith, not by works, but by faith. Not by relying on our good deeds, not by relying on our own righteousness, but by relying on the atoning sacrifice of Jesus and the shedding of his blood. So isn't it good to know that it's not down to us? That's, you know, that ought to actually bring you relief because you can't earn it. You know, and, and you don't have to earn it and, because you can't earn it anyway. But he did it for us. So the law is not of faith, verse 12. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. If you choose to be, ah, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll, I'm going to live good. And I'll, when I go to the Lord, when I die, I'll just, well, I lived a good life. Well, folks, that won't cut it for anybody. No matter how good a person you were. And we know all these things, but it's just good to remind ourselves. But look what it says. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Let me explain this, unpack it a little bit for you. Was that when you talk about the Israelites, the children of Israel, they were already blessed because they were Abrahamic children. They were children of Abraham. So the blessing came on them. But because they were under the law, see, let me put it this way. The blessing, if you look at it like a big pipe, big pipeline. So up in heaven, God is pouring down the blessing of Abraham upon the children of Israel. And it's just pouring down, pouring down. But because they were under the law, and every time they broke the law, they were, they were cursed, the blessing was being choked. So, and the more they sinned, the more they, they sinned against the law, the more clogged that pipeline got. But what this is telling us here is that when Jesus died on the cross... He took all the curse upon him. In other words, he removed all the blockage in the pipeline. So the curse of the law can't come upon the children of Israel. It can't come upon us. Because Jesus bore it in his own body. It's so much deeper than just he cleanses from our sins. He took upon him every curse. Christ has redeemed us. Remember we looked in our study of the blood that the word redeemed means to be bought with blood. He bought us back with his blood from the curse of the law because he was made a curse for us. For it is written, it's written in the law, curse is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Why did he do that? Verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham, which we've looked at, Abraham was blessed, his descendants were blessed. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the nations through Jesus Christ. Again, that word Gentile simply means nations. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles or the nations through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus removed the blockage to the blessings. So if you and I are not walking in those blessings, it's all good at God's end. Okay? So... 
God is in the business of blessing us. And he's in the business of blessing us because we're not only children of God. We've just read it. We're children of Abraham because Abraham is God's covenant partner. And then he goes on and speaks about it. Let's just read it. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if, it, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. What does that mean? What he's saying is, is even when men make covenants together, okay, not just God and man, if it's confirmed, nobody can do anything about it. If the covenant is ratified, then nobody can take from it or add to it. It says, to Abraham and his seed, verse 16, where the promise is made, he saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. What he's saying here is, is the blessing of Abraham, the promise fulfilled, came to Abraham's seed, which is Christ. Okay, in other words, the one man, the one person, the one human being, who, earned, who could receive it without any blemish in it. He was a sinless son of God. Okay, he was the perfect covenant partner. So he received the promise. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, verse 17, the law which was 430 years after cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. All the blessings of Abraham were given 430 years before the law. So the old covenant can't disannul it. You see that? The curse of the law can block it, but it can't disannul it. But Jesus removed that curse. I know this is a wee bit complex. You might need to go and pray about it, study it out. But it's so important, so vital. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. In other words, all the blessings God gave to Abraham are still available, and it's not by keeping the Ten Commandments. It's not by being a goody two-shoes. It's not by, you know, your works. It's through faith in what Christ did. So we can say to the I'm blessed with faith of Abraham. Abraham's blessings are mine. The blessing of Abraham is in my life. It's in my life as an individual. It's in our lives as, as Christians, as a congregation. We're blessed with faith of Abraham. Okay? And you need to start having a blessing consciousness, a blessing mentality. That's why that old hymn. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. He's not saying that because, well, you know, there's nothing else to do. He's saying it because you have to be conscious you're blessed. You know, and it's, there's individual blessings that we might thank him for, but there are plenty of blessings in this book that we can thank him for. And we should be doing that. You should be thanking him for having uh, a good pastor. <laughs> Amen. That's a blessing to you. Abraham's blessing. Amen. Well done. Yeah, you're, you're, I'll weigh you in later. He says, Wherefore then, sorry, wherefore then serves the law? What, what, how, what's the law for? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. That's Jesus. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, what I want you to see here is this verse 22 the scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Then he tells us that um, the law was given to be a schoolmaster. Okay? 
Um, and we've all had schoolmasters, we've all had teachers. They teach us, they prepare us for that which is to come, if they're good teachers, aren't they? You know, if they're the teachers that we're getting today and they want to talk about their sex lives and they want to talk about woke stuff and all that, then they're not good teachers. But if you, we all remember we had good teachers. Do you remember them? I remember having good teachers. And they used to belt the living daylights out of me. And I didn't think they were good teachers at the time, but now I know that they were there for my chastisement. And if they're chastising you, it's because they care about you, isn't it? So when you used to get the belt, which I used to get more often than I should, I'll be honest, we had a competition in our class to see who could get the most of the belt. I, I came second because a guy called Harry Steele always beat me. He was, he was always uh, far better at getting the belt than me. But we used to try to get the belt because it's a competition. Amen? And, uh, you know, just a wee bit of a digression. All the hard cases, all the ones with a reputation for belting you the hardest, they never ever faced me. And it could sting a wee bit, but it wasn't too bad. It was always the wee old women that would keep their belt or their toes, whatever it's called, in a carrier bag. I remember one work teacher I had, and she'd keep her belt in a carrier bag. We used to snigger because when she'd get really angry, she'd pull the carrier bag out, and you knew the belt was coming. You'd stink. Now I'm going, oh, this is, this'll be easy. Boy, did it stink. So, so it's not the ones that, you, that were always the ones with the reputation. You could, you could, you could be, you could be surprised. Um, you could be ambushed by the wee uh, old lady that thing. I should maybe get the strength. Look at her arms. She'll not be able to swing it. All these things are going through your head. So I right, go on, do your best. Oh wow! So pressure. See, the children today they don't even know what we're talking about. They, to them, these belts are instruments of torture aren't they? So, well, it didn't do me any harm. And you know, when you, when you get older, you realise they didn't belt us, well, sometimes they belt us because they were angry, but the belt was there and they used it because they didn't want you grown up to be a barn. Amen? So, praise God. And that's what he's saying here. The law was given as a schoolmaster. The law, you think, you read some of the things in the law and you think, how can anybody keep them? How can you not eat pork? How can, you, how can we not have a bacon roll? How can we not have garments of mixed fabric? You know, it's a bit harsh, you know. Um, well, we could crack a few jokes, but I won't. <laughs> um, but you know, there's a whole lot of restrictions in the law that people think, that's, that's harsh. And you know when they say, when a youth would curse its mother and father, We'll take it out to the end of the city, or the edge of the city, and stone that youth till it's dead. That's harsh. But why did we have these laws? Because they were teaching us, preparing us, they were a schoolmaster till Christ came. But after that faith has come, verse 25, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, because Jesus is here. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, so everybody here today is a child of God if you have faith in Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen, that's wonderful. But look at this verse. If ye be Christ's, 
He's already told us, if you're in Christ, if you're Christ, then you are a child of God. You said that. Then he says this, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What he's saying is every Christian, every believer, is the child of Abraham. And you know, if you're a child, then you inherit, don't you? You're an heir of what your parents leave to you. And it tells us that we are Abraham's heirs. We're God's heirs. The Bible tells us we're children. Uh, we're, we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. But we're also heirs of Abraham. So folks, we're blessed with faithful Abraham. We're blessed with them. They then, verse 9, which be of faith, are blessed with faithful Abraham. You and I should be walking in Abraham's blessings today. And the curse of the law has been removed from us. But we need to believe that. And we need to receive that, and we need to walk in that. So be encouraged today. What I'm saying is God is in the business of blessing you. God's purpose for the nations is blessing. God's purpose for you is blessing. God's purpose for this church is blessing. God's purpose for your family. If you have children and grandchildren, God's purpose for them is blessing. Why? Because he blessed Abraham, and you're in Christ, and so you're in Abraham, and so the blessing, it flows down. Let's not say it trickles down, it flows down. So let's be people of blessing. I'm going to close with this, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and this will be sort of some of that close our study on this for now. We'll always come back to this, it's something that we, we do return to. Ephesians 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. What that means is this. God has blessed you in every department and area of life, every realm of existence. So folks, it's incumbent upon us to walk in that. Receive it gratefully and pass that blessing on to others because we're all blessed to be a blessing. Amen.